I'm Stacy Gross, and this is kind of Two Moms Day Drinking. So, a couple of weeks ago, I posted an update letting you know it was the first um, thing I had posted for this podcast um, in a few months. So, at that time, I was working on a manuscript based on the um, 10 strongest episodes of the podcast. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, I have gotten the first uh, four chapters produced along with a little mini proposal. And it was a very informal proposal, but just sort of um, introducing the project and just a little something that you kind of can put together informally if you have a work in progress. I'm not really going to worry too much about it. I'm just going to wait and see. And in the meantime, I'm going to finish up writing um, the last six chapters and I'm going to go back through the first four and just polish everything then all at once, once the entire thing is finished. So also have a little bit more of an idea of what my work schedule is going to look like for the most part. Um, it's, it's variable. So it will change each week in terms of like which days or how many days off, if any, um, that type of thing. But for the most part, I think that I'm going to be able to keep up a schedule of every two weeks, um, posting a new episode. So I'm going to play with that a little bit. The last, um, episode was just a short update. This is just going to be another short update and, um, you know, try that out and see, you know, if I can get something out every couple of weeks here, another few weeks in a row, then, um, go back to seeing if I can get some interviews done. So that's the podcast, but I did want to just, um, make this sort of what I would do if I were writing a column or an essay, talk a little bit about what our summer has been like. So we have been hatching chickens, um, and turkeys, Holy smokes, you guys. So I don't, if you follow me on any social media, you know, it's kind of, um, a little bit of both. It's my life and the project. Um, because for me, work like this always goes hand in hand with my life. So, um, I'm very much drawn toward creative nonfiction for that reason. So I wanted to tack on to that little manuscript update, uh, just a short ramble about, um, the intersection that I'm finding between parenting and hobby farming. Um, so if you follow me on social media, you'll know it's a mix of chickens and podcasts, chickens and podcasts, salamanders, podcast, chickens, 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 really bad joke, you know, rant. I don't want to just sort of play with the boundaries between writing and, um, audio production, podcasting, and see if I could merge those two as well in the form of a sort of off the cuff audio, uh, essay. And we have been hatching these chickens. So we got the chickens in the spring of 2019. So we had a full year. We got them from tractor supply. We went straight runs. So they don't sex the birds. They don't guarantee that they're going to be females when you buy them, which is always fun. You always get a few roosters in the bunch then, but we wound up with a, a large proportion of hens. I did, um, butcher two roosters last summer, late last summer, but we kept one around and I kept him around because, um, he protects the girls. He protects the hens. Um, over the course of time, I developed a little bit of an attachment to him and we can get to the story of why that's a problem in a minute. But what I wanted to talk about mostly was the development I've seen my girls go through as we, this summer decided instead of buying more chicks, cause I knew I wanted, we, we wanted more, it's the girl's job to help me take care of the chickens and collect the eggs. 
And then um, we sell them just locally to different families, just people who follow me on Facebook. Usually I have one woman who subscribes, so she gets Wicked Chicken's eggs. That's what we call it. It's like their little lemonade stand. Um, she buys Wicked Chicken's eggs. She gets two dozen every, hopefully, Wednesday morning if my schedule allows, but I get them to her once a week in the morning, and then she just pays me for the month. Um, so they they get, like I think... They charge $3 for a dozen chicken eggs, and we were charging uh, $4 for a dozen duck eggs, but the ducks have met an untimely end thanks to predators, which are, you know, the majority of the reason I like to keep a rooster at all. If it weren't for predators, I probably wouldn't keep any of the roosters, um, but the girls sell their eggs, and they get to keep the money in exchange for helping me with the birds. So it's been a fun little project in husbandry, um, but... What they, so you see these, you know, super hip moms on Pinterest with their super cool, fancy chicken coops. That's not our house. Uh, we That's not representative of our chicken keeping lifestyle. Um, we're pretty down home. We're pretty basic. They live in a shed. Um, I haven't done much to the shed. I just I put wood chips in there and that's where they sleep. So um, we're not all decked out or anything and it's definitely not Pinterest worthy, but the girls enjoy it and they have learned a lot. So I still have to fight with them to get them to do the chicken chores. And a lot of times I still wind up having to help them, air quotes, help them, but it's been a really good experience in, in them, um, externalizing their focus of attention, their point of view. So they have learned about taking care of something else, which has been a really, really fun thing to teach them, or to, you know, provide the opportunity for them to learn. I don't really do a whole lot. They, they direct themselves in this little experiment that I've got going on, but it's been fascinating to watch how they have developed a sense of caretaking and husbandry for their birds. Um, but it comes with a very unpinteresty um, dark side, and that is that you lose birds. You lose birds to predators, and we lost a few last summer. This summer, we decided we were going to hatch our birds, so we got an incubator. I did some research. I always do. I started thinking about this around Christmas time, that we were going to start hatching our own eggs, so did all the research through winter and early spring, and then we got our incubator. We started collecting eggs right around the time that I got furloughed. We, I think we put our first clutch in in the beginning of March, so I had just been... Um, furloughed from work and I was at home with the girls a lot and I was looking for ways to sort of carry their schooling on but in a really unstructured way so it, it dovetailed really nicely the, the way it all worked out thank you COVID for that nice little serendipitous turn of events you fucker so we went through the process and I read all the things and I got all the advice and raising chickens is just like raising kids when it comes to looking up advice on the internet. It's probably not even, you have to do some research and you have to look up some anecdotal information. You know, you get a lot of different voices and a lot of different opinions on forums, but I, I think it's a really great way to hear firsthand experiences and sort of tailor how you want to do a project like this. So I definitely recommend that if you're thinking about getting into incubation or you have birds or you're thinking about getting birds, just get on like backyardchickens.com and just type in what you're interested in and you'll find a bunch of different opinions and voices and you can sort of start to think about how you want to do it. So there's a million different ways to go about it, just like with parenting. Um, but we incubated our first clutch of eggs the week that I got furloughed. They take 21 days to hatch. Chickens do. Um 
And so the first 21 days we were super like, I think of, I, I look back on us cause we've done three additional, four additional, I think three additional clutches since then. So we did that first clutch and I was like a brand new mom. We were all like, just, you know, mother henning to no pun intended. Um, we were just lording over these eggs and watching the incubator and we were candling them every, you know, seven days or whatever, how, however you're supposed to do it. And I was obsessive about the heat and the humidity. If you've ever incubated eggs, you know, um, there are a couple different ways to go about it. So when you start your incubator up, basically it has to have a certain amount of humidity inside the incubator as the embryo develops and the heat and the humidity, the combination of those two variables is what affects how successful you are at um, turning fertilized eggs into embryos and then growing those embryos into full grown chickens and creating conditions for them to successfully hatch. Um, so it was really sciencey. It was, it was a perfect timing, I guess I have to say, but the first clutch was great and we loved it so much. We, um, wound up, I posted a lot about it. So I had a lot of people kind of following along with that as they had been the podcast and it sort of became what I did in the interim. But a friend reached out to me after she had followed that clutch and asked if I would incubate a clutch of her, I think they're an Easter egg or cross. And I can't remember what, she, what her rooster was, but her hens were Easter eggers, um, which is just a regular old chicken with a fancy name. Basically it's been bred to lay a pastel colored egg, generally green tinted eggs. So she, I can't remember what a rooster was though, but it was a cross. They're a little, you know, mixed breed and they're cute. We hatched those out. We had a decent hatch rate and I started out, you know, the humidity had to be just right. And we put the incubator in lockdown when we set them to hatch. And I could do an entire episode just on the process of how to hatch eggs. But that second clutch, I sort of eased up a little bit and I never had the experience of having more than one kid. I, I had two kids, but I had them at the exact same time. And that's a completely different experience than when you have your first child experience followed by a second child experience as a parent. I, I would imagine, I mean, I can't imagine that, um, it would be anything like having twins. Honestly, I know that there are a lot of people who say, oh, my kids are really close in age. They're just like twins. But I trust me, they are not. You got the experience of nursing or being up at night with or, you know, every all those little milestones and things that you do, those archetypal moments that you have with your child. You had an experience with your first child and then you had a separate experience with your second child. Um, you, you did not have it simultaneously with two children at once. That's completely different. And that could also be an entire episode on its own. But I feel like in a little metaphorical way, it's not the same thing, but I, I kind of understand that experience more or have more insight as to that. Um, the third clutch that we did was a set of Brahmas, which are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful black and white chickens. And if you follow me on social media, you know, I like dote over these chickens. We butcher the roosters and that's a thing that I like the girls to know. Like they raised an animal, they knew what it ate, they were responsible for caring for it. And then at, at the end of the day, if the rooster, which our rooster did become aggressive, um, the one that we kept became quite aggressive and he was starting to become aggressive with the hens. So I could, I could see an escalation to the point where he wasn't aggressive with us to protect the hens. He was being aggressive just to be aggressive. And that's when we made the decision to, um, send him to freezer camp as a very funny Twitter friend said, and I have stolen. So thank you for that, Rebecca, cause that was a lovely little turn of phrase. Um, I had posted that we had butchered the rooster and she 
shot back, um, time for freezer camp, spur boy. And I was just like floored. That was the greatest turn of phrase I'd ever heard. So I stole the hell out of that. But these Brahmas are really cool. And um, so we hatched our friends Brahmas. And I think that's the breed that I'm going to stick with now that I know a little bit more about chickens and so we went into this summer, we incubated those three. We've got a second batch of uh, Brahmas going now. In the in between the two Brahma batches, we also did uh, eight turkey eggs, a woman. So I'm friends with someone who wanted a couple of the first Brahmas. She's another chicken mom on Facebook. I, she is a friend locally, but she also is um, a Facebook friend. So she was following along with the, the chicken hatching saga, and she requested a couple of the Brahmas because it was a breed that she was interested in but hadn't yet experienced. So we gave her a couple, and then she had a friend call me a few, maybe about a month later, and this woman, um, our, our, my, our mutual friend, my friend, um, sent her my way because she was looking for information on incubating turkey eggs. She had never incubated before, and she, um, our, our mutual friend Amy knew that I did a lot of incubating that I was really into it and was learning a lot about it and doing well. So she sent her my way and this woman had had, she has slate turkeys and Royal Palms and something had gotten one of the turkey moms. I think it was the Royal Palm mom. And, um, she had collected the eggs and she wanted to incubate them and she didn't know what to do with them. She had just pulled them. The, the turkey had just been picked off by a predator that night. So she got a hold of me that morning and I went down after work and showed her kind of how to set up our incubator and told her a little bit about, you know, the timeline and what to do when, and, um, just gave her the information that I had. And, um, after that, I asked her if I could get some turkey eggs off of her. So we did a clutch of turkeys. I got four slate turkeys and there was one Royal Palm. I don't know. The Royal Palm mom must have laid a, an egg in the slate's nest. And so we got this one beautiful little Royal Palm chick. She's yellow now, but she'll be black and white. Um, and then, so we then, then started these Brahmas. Hatching is not for the faint of heart is what I want to tell you. All that set up to let you know, and this is kind of the takeaway that I guess I want to leave you with. Um, this hobby farming chicken fad, I know that it's like a, a trendy thing to do right now, but I love it because I love it. And even when it's not trendy, I'm still going to be doing it. I can see myself being that old wise woman on her front porch rocker, just, you know, watching her chickens at night as the sun goes down. Like that's going to be me. I love this little lifestyle. But I have a lot of birds um, in my yard right now that came from people who were into the fad, but weren't as into the lifestyle they discovered. So I have a lot of rehomed birds. Um, and it's because they don't show you on Pinterest all of the horrifying things that go along with even hobby farming. And I am not comparing hobby farming to farming for a living or farming for the food on your table. That is not what I'm doing here, but I have seen the ugly parts of it and they come along with when you take on this lifestyle, if you really do embrace it. And I do, I love it, but it comes with some really ugly elements. Um, so we have lost birds to predators. I have come home to find a hawk sitting on, um, one of my silkies, uh, there are some grisly sights and experiences when you're taking on the, especially the hatching lifestyle. And, um, my kids have seen all that too. And I talk a lot about butchering our roosters on social media. Um, just because I want to talk, I like that part of it. And I, I don't, 
it's it's hard. It's a complete dissonance for me because I don't like violence. I don't like um, butchery in general. Um, but we eat meat. We are never going to be vegan people. I love steak too fucking much. I'm sorry. I completely respect your lifestyle if that's for you. Um, whatever works for you. I'm completely in awe. That's amazing. But for me, I just, I really like steak. So we're never going to be vegans. And if we're going to eat meat, I think it's cool for my kids to raise the bird that they eventually are going to one day eat. It's not how we sustain ourselves, but it's an experience that they have. So they have a little bit of an appreciation for what goes into caring for an animal. And then, um, the culmination of that type of relationship with a livestock animal. And there's also, even in, you know, the community of people who just garden for their own vegetables, who enjoy that process of cultivating um, a plant that they are eventually going to harvest for food. It, there's just something about growing or um, harvesting your own food. It's it's a complete niche thing. Not everybody gets it. Not everybody is into it. But if you are into it, you understand what I'm saying. Um, I like also that my kids, they want to get into the butchering process. I don't I don't think that I'm ready to have them participate, at least in the actual um, initial part of the process, which is killing the animal. It's not a part that I enjoy. I don't enjoy the grizzly part of it, which is processing the bird. You know, I've field dressed some animals. I've gone hunting with relatives and I was younger at the time, but um, I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I respect the process and what they're seeing as I'm completing that process, but I don't think they're ready to start butchering yet. However, when they are, I can see this, you know, we'll go from selling the eggs to them learning how to butcher their own roosters when they become aggressive or just when it's, when it's time, you know, you got to cull the flock a little bit. You can't have too many roosters. So, and if you're going to raise a bunch of birds, then you are going to wind up with roosters that you're going to either need to find a home for. And the reality is that if you are rehoming a rooster, especially an aggressive one, you can pretend that you're taking it to the farm to live a happy life. But an aggressive rooster is going to wind up in somebody's stew pot. It just is. So um, I think it's cool to know that they are going to have that skill. And it's I'm, I know that the zombie apocalypse is never going to happen, but I do think I, out, you know, I extrapolate out to like, what if, like, we've seen the craziest shit happen this year, right? Like, no one has ever seen a pandemic. No one who's alive today has seen anything like this or experienced anything like it. And so shit happens and it's kind of cool to know, like, if I ever had to, I could just catch in a chicken. I'm going to tell you right now, a man is looking for a woman who can catch a chicken because those little shits are fast. They're hard to catch. So just knowing how to catch the chicken, knowing how to care for a chicken, knowing how to raise something that could provide for your family in a time of need. It's a total prepper. Like it really borders on prepperhood and I'm not into that, but I just think it's cool to have the skill. I don't ever anticipate needing to use it, but I think it's cool that if I ever had to, I could, you know, and I like that they have those skills too. Um, but they're... It's grisly and it's shocking, even for someone who has grown up around, you know, we had a butcher house. I grew up on a farm and we butchered pigs. We butchered animals. The men hunted and they dressed and processed their animals in the butcher house. Um, you know, and I witnessed all that. And even for me, the taking of a random rooster's life who poses a threat or is potentially dangerous, even that is not easy. Or um, I think it should be shocking but I think it's a little too shocking for eight-year-olds. I just I just don't think knowing their temperaments and personalities that they're ready. In any case, um, 
that's the part of this hobby that people don't talk enough about. And through this process, through this grisly, I know I'm rambling here, but I want to set all that up because I want you to understand that I watched my kids. I'm fascinated by people and humans and how we think and why we behave the way that we do. And um, it's been fascinating to watch two humans develop over the course of time. Um, so watching them develop like philosophical, existential, um, confronting these really existential issues. We've lost birds to predators, hatching chickens. Holy shit. You guys, if you get your humidity wrong, like this current clutch that I have, you may be able to hear them. They're, they're hatching at the moment. So we're on day 20. I think they typically hatch anywhere from day 18 to 24 ish, depending on your heat and humidity. And I have a clutch hatching right now. And because the weather has changed, so I've had great success up until now. And I've sort of fine tuned this really great system of dry hatching and it's worked really wonderfully. Now the temperature is different and I'm learning about sticky chicks. That's a sight. Holy shit. Like if you're going to get into this lifestyle, your kids are going to have to, you're going to have to have some, you got to be ready, man. Cause you got to be ready to have some big philosophical conversations when a chick is trying to get out of an egg and it can't because the membrane inside it's been too humid. And so the membrane inside is like, uh, stuck to the chick and the chick can't move and it dies in the shell. That's a conversation you're going to have to be prepared to have. And a lot of parents, I think don't really have a plan for when they are going to have to have big talks. There's the sex talk. There's the swearing talk. There's the bad behavior, you know, things that can come up when kids become teenagers, if they're acting out or if there's any sort of, you know, undealt with issues and you're seeing externalizing bad behaviors, you're going to have to talk to your kids about these things and you got to be ready for it. This has really prepared me. And I was prepared to begin with. I've never been a, a soften the blow kind of mom. I've always been a very like life is life. And like Emily said in episode one, the dead deer on the side of the road is in fact dead and not sleeping. We're not going to, I'm not going to, you know, pull the wool over my kid's eyes like that. I'm very realistic. And I tell them everything about the world and even the ugly stuff, but it's still hard. Like I, there are a couple times that I've been like, man, this chick should not have died. We, I'm hatching these Brahmas. Um, they're coming out sticky. I'm having to really be vigilant about keeping an eye on them. If they're going more than 24 hours, if you, you can't help a, a chick hatch at least for the first 24 hours because they're still absorbing their egg yolk. There's blood vessels all in that egg. If you peel the egg off before the chick has fully absorbed all of the nutrients and all of the blood vessels, the chick could bleed to death. It could die. It could be really a horrifying end for this bird at your hands and you're only trying to help. So there's a lot of, a lot of really ugly stuff and they've seen a lot of really ugly stuff. Um, but I've watched them grow so much and it's been fascinating to me. I am just in awe of watching their brains develop and seeing twins too. This is a thing in psychology, twin studies. Oh my God. Like that's one of the best ways, especially identical twins. You can really, really identify, you can really nail down a lot of personality variables and how and why our personalities are different. Even in two kids who exist because one egg split in half, you know, you, you can just really drill down to the core of what what impacts and what influences personality. And that is fascinating to me. I'm just fascinated by people in general. I often don't feel like I understand society or people very well, but I, I find them fascinating to watch. And I know I am one, but sometimes I feel completely 
out of place. Like I do not belong here at all because so much of um, what we have developed as our culture just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and so watching the girls confront, we have lost, you know, seeing a chicken decimated by a hawk that then flew away because it got the parts that it wanted. Every predator, by the way, you can tell what's, if you're finding dead chickens or you're finding missing chickens and no bodies, you can, there's a whole forensic list of like check marks that you can check off to try to figure out what the hell is getting them. You don't even have to set up a trail cam because a weasel will kill your chicken in a different way than a hawk and they'll take different parts from the chicken and they're interested in eating different things off the chicken and it's God. It's like disgustingly fascinating, but they have seen some really horrifying stuff and we have learned some really horrifying things, um, a lot of ways in which it can go bad. And I have been humbled and I have been reminded as a mother of human children that there's only so much I can do as their mom. And at the end of the day, I have so much anxiety over parenting I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I don't think I am. I just think a lot of people don't talk about it. I have so much anxiety over whether I am doing a good job or a bad job. And that's the worst part. You don't know how you did until they're grown and they're either struggling or flourishing or more likely something in between. And I think we strive for a flourishing child at the expense of ourselves sometimes as moms. But it's the same with these birds. And I've sort of had a chance to step back from the intensity of the responsibility of parenting my daughters and looking at the responsibility of helping these chicks hatch when the conditions are not good or when I have made a mistake in my humidity level because I didn't take into account the fact that it was going to be as hot as Satan's asshole around here right now. Holy crap. I don't know what it's like where you are, but I am roasting, sweating. I am not happy or attractive. It's a typical summer me. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the grisly details, but I did want to talk about, so for anybody who follows me on um, Twitter or Facebook's a little bit of Instagram, I think I had some of popcorn on Instagram. We hatched a Brahma in the last Brahma clutch right before the turkeys. Um, his name was Popcorn because he had a little bit of trouble hatching and he was the exception to the rule. Everybody else did really well, but Popcorn had a hard time and you always have the ones that have a hard time. Um, and he had an umbilical hernia, so he had to be separated from the rest of the group. But a baby chick can't just be left out in the ambient room temperature. They need a few days to adjust and to sort of um, dry off, absorb the rest of their yolk, just, you know, get started off on the right foot before you can transfer them into a bigger, like an open air brooder. Um, and so Popcorn needed a little bit of special treatment and people followed him. I had a couple of people who were following the saga of Popcorn. Um, I came home from my third week, um, on site. So I was away for a week when I came home that Friday, I had the girls with me. I just picked them up. It was, you know, getting into the evening and we were getting home for the first time in a week and all together for the first time in a week, they got out of the car and I have a little paddling pool set up for the ducks, uh, to swim in. And there was popcorn. He had decided to perch on the side of the pool and he fell in and he drowned and it was a grisly sight. And I watched my daughter like in slow motion as a parent, when your child experiences something devastating, it's, you see it happen in slow motion and it's horrible. It's horrible. Like you just want to absorb them in your arms and like comfort them. But you know, there's nothing you can do because they can never unsee that. They can never unexperience that. I mean, if you don't have chickens, I don't think you're going to understand, but I can 
turn it into the metaphor of like, if your kids saw their puppy get hit by a car, like that's just that as if you're a parent, you know, exactly what I'm saying. That feeling like, Oh shit. And the whole world just slows down and you just watch this horrifying experience happen to your child. And it's a really intense moment. We have had some crazy experiences in raising birds. And I guess I just wanted to talk about how cool it has been and kind of pay homage to that. As a mom, I do a lot of complaining because I'm a real honest mom and I'm not going to just like, I'm not going to bullshit my kids about the world and I'm not going to shield them from the ugliness of hatching chicks when it goes wrong. I am a huge proponent of speaking openly and honestly about the hardest parts of being a mom because Society expects motherhood to be this sacred time, and sometimes it is not. It is not. And it's the exact same way on this microcosmic level. Um, you see it on Pinterest, all these cute little chicken uh, memes and, like, all these women who have these fancy chicken coops. And, oh, it's so fun, and they're so cute. And, oh, look, a baby chicken. What they don't show you is a baby chicken stuck in its egg with membrane, like, glued onto it because your humidity was too high and you fucked up, you know? Um, I'm never going to tell a new mom that parenting is going to be sunshine and rainbows the whole time. And that's kind of what this entire project is all about is talking about the sticky chick experience only with real kids. Sometimes your kid gets stuck or you fuck up and it's ugly and it hurts and it's guts you and there's nothing you can do about it. And you grow from that. And my kids have grown from the heartaches of raising these chickens. It's just been so cool. Um, so I wanted to kind of throw the contrast on all of these perfect images, just like I'm trying to do with this podcast. I'm trying to throw a real honest spotlight on the reality of being a mom And I want to do that because I want people to have to confront their notions and their expectations and their schemas and their personal beliefs about motherhood and what they think of mothers and what they think of parents and how they decide whether or not they want to have kids. I respect everyone's decision, but I always say, um, whatever lifestyle you choose, know why. Don't just do it because everybody else is doing it. Don't just do it because it looks cute and fun on the internet. Um, really know what you're getting into and make your decisions with passion and with your guts. Um, and I guess that's where I'll leave you off. That's my takeaway. Um, raise chickens with your kids. It's a whole lot of fun, even when it's sad and hard. And I guess I would say the same thing about parenting, although there are days where I would not advice becoming a parent. probably be another update and then at that point I'll have been regional for my first you know I should be finishing up my final sticks and I'm gonna have an idea of what precisely this job is gonna look like so between then and now if you are a mom who also raises chickens with her kids 
get at me. I want to hear all kinds of experiences. I want to know if um, anybody else has experienced this or had some insight as to um, the big philosophical, big ticket, top shelf items they've had to deal with as a result of raising livestock alongside raising kids. I want to hear your homesteading stories. I want to hear all the stories. I love storytelling. Tell me a story. Tell me your homesteading stories. All right. I'm Stacy Gross, and this has kind of been Two Moms Day Drinking. The music for this podcast has been written and produced by my father, Bob Gross, on his goddamn electric ukulele.